Welcome back. We're in Genesis chapter 37, verse 23. Let's go. Genesis 27, 33. So we're talking about Joseph. He's the type of Jesus, which is typology, symbolic, pointing forward to Jesus. You're going to see a lot of similarities and parallels between Joseph and Jesus. You're going to hear me say that repeatedly so that people understand it as we pick up new podcast episodes. Right now, his brothers are mad at him. He was kind of the golden child. He was the one who was most honorable. His dad loved him. And therefore, his brothers were jealous, had this anger towards him, didn't know how to control the anger or give it away. They tried to take vengeance into their own hands. But vengeance is uh, for the for God, right? For vengeance is mine, says the Lord. We are not to take that in our own hands. But here's the problem. His brothers don't do that. They take it into their own hands and uh, not good. We're going to see lots come from that. So here we go in verse 5. And they sat down to eat a meal. Then they lifted their eyes and looked, and there was a company of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels, bearing spices, balm, and myrrh on the way way to carry them down to Egypt. So uh, these Ishmaelites are offspring of the relationship between Abraham and his maidservant Hagar. You can go back in earlier podcasts and see that. Uh, Abraham couldn't have children, so his wife was like, oh, go have children with my maidservant Hagar. So he had a child with her, Ishmael, and that's where we get the Ishmaelites. Um, and that's through the line for uh, which came Islam. And then you've got Isaac, I'm sorry, Abraham and Sarah, who God gave a birth and gave a child in their very old age. And uh, that was uh, Isaac. And that's where we get the line that come uh, from which we get Christ. And so these people are coming down the, the way. Verse 26, it says, So Judah said to his brothers, What profit is there if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Um, he says, Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother in our flesh. Oh, right. So jo- Judah is just so kind and caring. He's like, Let's not kill him. Let's at least profit from it, right? He's like, look at me. I'm taking the high road. I'm not going to kill him. We're going to sell him to someone else who's going to enslave him and or kill him, right? And he's justifying this in his own mind. Do you see this? He's like, not a, let not our hand be upon him. Fear is our brother and our flesh, right? Just wrong. Reuben should have stood up for Joseph. Judah should have stood up for Joseph. All of them should have said, no, guys, listen, this is wrong. This is group thinking, group mentality. We're mad at him. We're jealous of him. And we're letting our anger get the best of us. We need to pray. We need to ask forgiveness. We needed to tell him what was on our minds and ask him to forgive us. And we need to make this right. Instead, they're letting all their anger, all their jealousy bubble up. And so many people do that. And some of you listening lately have let some of your jealousy rise up and take over your life. Let some of your anger rise up and take over your life, or you've got something from your past where there's unforgiveness. Maybe it's 50 years ago, or 30 years ago, or 20 years ago. It's with a parent. It's with a spouse. It's with a friend. Something like that. And you're just letting that unforgiveness, you, you may not recognize it, but I see it in people all the time now that I've you know studied this over the past 15 years, is that people, when they hold on to anger, it takes a hold of them. And it it drives this bitter root inside of them, and it just plants that root and takes takes over, and it's not a good thing. But you can let it go, and there are people who have been molested by their parents who have come to forgive them 
uh, Joyce Meyer had to do that for, for her dad who uh, raped her over a hundred times, she said. Um, you'll, you'll see these stories of forgiveness and these people who are free, they're like, I'm free now that I've forgiven because the person who I didn't forgive doesn't get hurt by my unforgiveness. I get hurt by my unforgiveness. And what's interesting is to see the parallel here, right? Judah and his brothers could have killed him, but instead they sold him to someone else. Well, the Jews could have killed Jesus, but they wanted to have someone else do it. And did you know that when they did that, by not killing him themselves, they actually fulfilled prophecy unknowingly. If they had studied their you know, Bibles, what they had at the time, the scriptures, the, the Jewish Bible, then they would have known this. But they were just like, nope, we've got to make all these man-made rules and try to people live under us in a hierarchy and bow down to us and give us money and respect and all this stuff and idolize us and worship us. And, and that's where it went wrong, right? So what the Jews did is they actually gave Jesus to the Romans to be crucified. So like, you know what? You deal with this problem because they wanted him to be killed, but they couldn't kill him. But what's interesting is they didn't have problems killing other people. They, they would stone people to death. The, the, people, the, the um, lady who they said was the adulterer and, and sinful and deserved death. Right? They were willing to kill certain people. They didn't want to kill Jesus. So they handed him over to the Romans. And guess who had punishment of crucifixion? Romans. Guess what was prophesied in the Old Testament? Death by crucifixion. So the Jews gave over Jesus to the Romans that he might be, be crucified and hung on a tree because cursed is he who was hung on a tree. You know, and yet he was killed on a tree because that's what a cross is made of, is a dead tree that would. And just so how interesting and how awesome and how miraculous that this all fits together, right? And you're like, ah, I don't know. Look at it. Just go through the whole Bible. You'll start seeing the inner weavings, the tapestry that God put together with all these stories throughout history. And they point forward, and then you can look back, and they've got this prophecy, and then they've got fulfilled prophecy. It's just amazing. And here we see a picture of the future reality. Joseph not being killed by his brothers. Instead, they're like, let's sell him and he'll be enslaved or killed by them and we won't have to worry about him. Aren't we nice people? And the Jews are like, look, we're nice people. We're not going to kill him. We're just going to give him the Romans who are going to kill him. And he's going to be crucified on a tree, which is prophesied, and it's going to fulfill that prophecy. But the Jewish people didn't care about that, the majority of them. Now, some Jewish people did and they realized that Jesus was the Christ. In fact, the majority of the disciples were Jewish. There are a lot of Jewish followers of Jesus today, we tend to call them Messianic Jews, which means they're Jewish people who believe that Jesus is the Messiah, right? Not that they're still waiting on the Messiah. And a lot of Jewish people around the world today, a large number of them, a huge number of them, are actually atheists. They don't even believe in a God. Many of them, it's just like a fraternity, a cult. And then others, it's this, you know, deep found religion, but they're waiting on the Messiah. They don't believe that Jesus is him typically because they think that when the Messiah comes, they think he's going to be this roaring lion, king of the world. He's going to solve all their problems. No, he actually told us that the first time he's coming, he's coming as a sacrificial lamb, as a suffering servant. And the second time he comes, which is what we know is the second coming of Christ, which will be at the end of the tribulation, then he will be a roaring lion. He will come and he will, he will prove his kingship. All right, and uh, verse 27. Uh, no, we said that, 28. Then the then Midianite traders passed by, so the brothers pulled Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. 
and they took Joseph to Egypt. So they, in fact, sold him. They pulled him out of the pit, right? What nice guys. They pulled him out of the pit. No. <laughs> they, they just didn't want to have the blood on their hands, so they were uh, just going to let someone else do their dirty work, and they're going to profit from it. How awful is that? And interesting, they sold him the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. Well, guess what? Joseph was sold for a bit of money, just as Jesus was sold for a bit of money. Who sold Jesus? Judas sold Jesus out, right? The Jewish leaders gave Judas some money to tell them who uh, Jesus was, to point him out, to kiss him on the cheek. And he sold out for just a little bit of money. And it was so bad on him that he actually went and committed suicide and hung himself on a tree after that. So don't sell out Christ. Don't, Don't sell out. Don't say, I want money instead of the truth. Don't say, I want money instead of eternity. You're going to have all the wealth you could possibly imagine when you get to heaven. That's the one thing that Christians need to continue to understand because the majority of Christians aren't extremely wealthy, right? It's not the prosperity gospel. Most Christians around the world are being horribly persecuted financially, socially, uh, in a familial way with their family and friends and uh, network, um, emotionally, physically, you name it. There are a few Christians who have a lot of money, but for the most part, they don't. And you're going to have all the wealth you could ever possibly imagine the moment you take your last breath on this earth and the moment you take your first breath in heaven, you're going to be like, wow, this is wealth beyond anything I could ever imagine. And this is mine to enjoy for eternity with Jesus and the church and the bride and everybody up there. All right. So they took him, took Joseph to Egypt. Egypt is symbolic of the flesh. It is uh, not the place you want to be going. 29, then Reuben returned to the pit, and indeed Joseph was not in the pit, and he tore his clothes. And he returned to his brothers and said, the lad is no more, and I, where shall I go? So he tore his clothes, which is interesting. So like Pontius Pilate, Reuben was upset with the outcome, even though he played a part in it, right? Reuben, remember Reuben was scheming earlier, um, and Pontius Pilate was scheming, but he was like, you know what, I don't really think this is the right way to go. I think we need to need to let him go. And everybody's like, no, no, crucify him, crucify him. And finally he's like, fine, I just wash my hands of it, right? So Reuben could have laid his own life down to try to save his brother, Joseph, but he didn't. And similarly, Pilate could have put his life down, put his career on the line and saved Jesus, but he chose not to rock the boat and to risk his own personal position among his peers. So he was like, you know what, I'll just give you what you want because if I don't, you're going to revolt. I may actually lose my job. I might not have my cushy house, my cushy uh, respect you know, amongst my peers, the money and the security, financial security and all that stuff. So he's like, fine, go ahead and kill this person if that's what you want. But that's not the way we should do it. And we as Christians today, how do we apply this to our lives? We can't just lay down and say, no, just, just do that, right? We've got to stand for truth in a loving way. And we need to be willing to lay lay down our own life for our brother because Jesus did it for us. And he tells us with everything he does, he says, go and do likewise, right? We need to be willing to do anything. Sacrifice money, sacrifice social setting, sacrifice our financial health, our physical health, in order that others might come to know the truth of Jesus, that they may come to salvation, saving grace. Lord, thank you so much. Help us to forgive If there's anybody out there who's holding on to anger or jealousy or resentment, Lord, we know that that can make us better. So please help that person to just 
get on their knees and forgive and let it go and to see that the value and the, the wonderful outcome that comes from that. I've, I've had to let some things go and have some forgiveness in my past and I was freed from it and I, and I thank you for that. I pray that you would help us not to scheme to make money and not to um, you know, defer the truth. Help us to be bold in the truth, to stand for the truth, be willing to lay down our job, our social setting, and uh, even our physical health for the benefit of someone that they may come to know you or that they may already know you, Lord, but we're just showing them the love of Christ. Help us to do this in your amazing name. Amen. This podcast brought to you in part by the Portfolio Protection Store, where smart investors go to protect their life savings from stock market losses. Visit our website to register for our webinar, theportfolioprotectionstore.com. The webinar is about portfolio protection and safe money ideas for ages 50 plus. Visit theportfolioprotectionstore.com. Located in Austin, Texas, license number 288-7886.